Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Lawrence. And I'm Leo. And we're back. We're back. We've made it. We've made it back from our walkabout in the woods surrounding Jackson or, or Seattle. You, you choose. <laughs> and neither of us got bit. I yeah. Think. Yeah. At least not by infected. <laughs> That's the important <laughs> part, right? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, yeah, we're back talking about Last of Us 2. Uh, man, I... The game came out. Okay. Last of Us 2 came out. Lawrence, I know you and I were on, like, the same schedule that week. I think yes. I played it... I, I beat it, I think, a day and a half after it came out. Because I played it, like, 14 hours a day. And... <laughs> Am I proud? Uh, somewhere between yes and no. <laughs> it, you better you better believe he is, damn it. I went to sleep every night, usually angry, and dream, just dreamed. Just dreamed straight into Last of Us, <laughs> into that world, into that universe. I think this game is a masterpiece. And today we're talking about Ellie. We're returning to this character that we love so much and who takes really a, a, a dominant portion of the game you know we kind of explore with her and i gotta say i mean we will probably in another episode talk a little bit about the big criticisms and some of the controversy around this game and uh maybe our perspective on those things but throughout today we will probably touch on the fact that both of us it seems to me i don't want to speak for you lawrence but like i love this game i thought it was honestly one of the most it was great it was fun to play but also just as a work of art, it got me so heckin' riled up. <laughs> I got so mad at Naughty Dog multiple times. And then I stopped and I examined that anger and I examined that frustration. And I asked myself, like, why is, why is this video game affecting me in this way? And what does that say about my expectations of narrative? And honestly, I, I can't think of another work of art that has made me question my own feelings so thoroughly and... I really came out on the the other side of it, exhausted primarily, but also really, really in awe of every single person who worked on this game because it really is, in my opinion, my humble opinion, one of the most incredible pieces of art made, period. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. This was probably one of my favorite video games I think I've I've ever played. This has been probably one of the only video games I can say that, like, I felt very invested the entire time yeah like i actually felt something as i was i was playing it like yeah so so very 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 amazing game like i i can't say enough positive things about it and like you mentioned today we're focusing on ellie but we're we've if you've paid attention to lore party if you're big fans of us i know you are you guys send us <laughs> fan mail all the time hey uh, you, Have you not you been definitely... forwarding me letters, Lawrence? Uh, we'll uh, talk about it later. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? But, like, you know, we had our we had a previous episode about Ellie where we explored her life. Yeah. Um, is Ellie's perspective in The Last of Us, one, was very unique um, because she was this character that was born during, uh, born post-outbreak. So right. this yeah. is the world that she's always known so we kind of labeled her as this like kind of character of discovery. Right. Where like this is her world. 
uh, she's more so learning about the things that Joel may have taken for granted or were his everyday, like, average life before Outbreak. So, but the Last of Us 2 is, is special because it puts us in the driver's seat as Ellie for some pretty, pretty <laughs> strong reasons. Yeah. Should we say now, uh, probably, if it wasn't totally obvious, spoiler warning, if you... I swear to goodness, we're, we're going to basically spend a chunk of this episode recapping the plot of the game. If you haven't played Last of Us 2 and you have any interest in it, stop listening. Stop listening. Yeah. Go play it because inev- we have to talk about the ending and we have to talk about some very big plot elements. And I know the game came out half a year ago and I know that maybe at this point spoilers have been spoiled. You know, things are out there people are talking about this pretty casually now but still it is for everything that it is you feel very different playing the game than you do hearing people talk about it if you want a full perspective on the work of art that we're talking about today there really isn't a substitute for playing it yourself but again that's up to you if you if you want to keep listening and and by all means (laughs) can't literally can't stop you (laughs) But you've been warned. But you've been warned. Exactly. Yeah. So The Last of Us 2, yeah, it does it you know, we're we're Ellie for the majority of the game. Because Joel we're... dies. <laughs> <laughs> and there's your spoiler. Oops. Yes. <laughs> but no, we are Ellie the majority of the game. Right. Uh, because she is going on a quest to avenge the murder of Joel. Right. Before we talk about that. Right, we right, kind of right. want to, for for those of you who may not have seen our last episode but have played both Last of Us 2 games, we'll give you a, a kind of a, a quick recap on some of the conversations that we had regarding Ellie and just her life up until uh, the events right before the game starts. I think that's a pretty good place to, to take everybody to. It's also, I mean, it's a good reminder. It's been a while. It's really been a while since I've dived into Last of Us 1. And to fully understand Ellie's choices in this game and how certain traumas affected her, we have to look at where she comes from. And we have to look at that those early years that aren't even covered in Last of Us 1, that are covered by American Dreams. Is that the novel, graphic novel? Yes. American Dreams and Left Behind, right? We have to look at some of those events as well to get a full picture. And we did in our past Ellie episode. So if you haven't listened to those go have a gander. They were a ton of fun. We, uh, some of my favorite conversations I've had on Lord Party were part of that series. So if you love uh, Last of Us, you'll, I think, get a lot out of those. But yeah, no, exactly. Let's, let's start with a recap of sort of the early Ellie years. This is a lot of stuff we talked about, but Ellie grew up in Boston. Yeah, she's a Bostonian, right? Boston. Boston. She, she gets her donkeys and her coffee. Is that, oh lord is that boston oh i actually don't that is know. boston that is horrible <laughs> <laughs> i'm a voice actor uh never really knowing her family she's not she she you know we don't really hear about her father we do hear that her mother was a member of the fireflies and knew marlene who we meet for for a little bit in last of us one and for whatever reason uh do we learn it's like definitively her mother died didn't she or from something yeah, her her mom died. I don't know 
why exactly. And we may be missing this, but I don't think that they've ever specified how her mom died. I think she was just gone. Yeah. But yeah, no, like, as you mentioned, she was she was a former Firefly and she was also best friends with the the leader of the Fireflies, Marlene. Right. Who pretty much takes it upon herself to look out for Ellie. But from a distance, because also Fireflies is they or the Fireflies are technically considered a terrorist organization. Yeah. Not the not the greatest place for like kitty daycare, you know, <laughs> like we're planning bombings for, of, you know, quarantine zone headquarters. And this like cute five year olds like you want to play? It's like not right now. We're planning murder. <laughs> but like, you know, what we see through what we see through American Dreams American Dream starts to set up this early theme with Ellie. She gets dropped off at Boston by a uh, by like a military professional, like uh, to basically attend a military boarding school, which is just going to take kids and then throw them into service as like FEDRA agents one day. Um, and this person that we meet, she's kind of formed an attachment to, mainly because she doesn't have anyone else. Um, and I remember specifically, like, they have a conversation where he just kind of, like, is like, all right, you're here, go away. And she's more like, oh, or, you know, are you going to come back or anything? And the guy kind of just brushes it off. So, like, you know, we get a little bit of a taste early on that Ellie maybe is actually searching for some kind of connection. and Maybe she is a little bit lonely. Right, right. But, of course, like any cool kid... <laughs> Yeah. Any, you know, awesome Gen Z kid, she just kind of plays it off. Yeet. And is a... Sorry, that, that might not be the right sound effect for that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like totally, she just pretends like she's fine and she doesn't need anybody. And so she pretty much builds up this wall. Yeah, well, you know, you think about a young person. So this, totally to your point, right? This is the beginning of a pattern. This guard in Boston is the beginning of a pattern. And when we look at her... uh Riley and we look at Marlene and eventually we look at moments with Joel very clearly in Ellie's life she connects with these people and then for not because of anything she's done they leave her or they die or they're they're pulled away from her and so you think about becoming emotionally vulnerable with someone and being rewarded with trauma <laughs> of course as a young person you go well great I just won't become close with anybody and I remember being so annoyed at this angsty, annoying little kid when I first met her going through Boston and I'm going, oh, she's so sassy and annoying. You know, kids suck, you know, or whatever. But <laughs> the truth of the matter is it's all a facade. It's all Ellie who is desperately lonely and wanting to connect with people and feeling totally, I don't know, unequipped for the what she perceives as inevitable heartbreak of that person dying or leaving her. Right. And I mean, in, in like, unlike your normal angsty teen, cool kids, um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm being such a jerk to kids. Maybe it's just <laughs> because I'm getting old. Um, uh, yeah. But like, Ellie does experience this over and over again. Like, American Dreams again, she does actually find a friend, yeah. uh, like a really good friend, and they build a really good friend. A, <laughs> they build a very meaningful friendship and you know at, at one point we do see that there may be maybe a little bit more there um but 
like you know her and her and Riley they they hang out they get along they watch each other's backs and you know then there's there's one point in American Dreams where um they're hanging out in the mall together as teens do except this is a mall post CBI so it's full of uh, zombies <laughs> yeah, just you full know, of them typical it's a mall weekend. you're not well, you're not supposed to be in. Yeah. But, you know, so she goes to, um, you know, they're hanging out and everything. They share a kiss. They have this, like, this moment. They're like, you know, whoa, like, this is definitely more than a friendship. And then they get attacked by runners and uh, they get cornered. And even though they escape, both of them are bitten. And there's this moment, right? They're both bitten and they think, oh, how poetic for us to turn together. Help, you know, kind of a, a sense of finally we're 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 together forever. And then uh oops, Ellie is immune. Right. And once again, like you would think in the world of in the world where you can be bitten by a mushroom headed zombie person and then change into them for a life of walking around until you turn into a nasty blob monster that hey, I'm immune would be awesome. But <laughs> Ellie's immunity <laughs> Ellie's immunity represents so much, so much loneliness. Like yeah. she is the singular immune person that we know of. And her immunity has also just now cost her the life of her friend in an odd way. Yeah. Or at least she, she very naturally could see it that way. Right. Yeah. And it's a sort of visceral truth for her. Also not something she chose. She didn't yeah. like do something to become immune. She had no agency in that. And as we're talking today, this is one of the themes that we really want to drive home. A lot of her journey across the various games and the graphic novel really is one of a young woman finding her ability to break from cycles of reactivity. And this is really the beginning of that, where these things are happening to her. She is immune. Okay, what do you do with that? Well, she doesn't really make that choice. It's it's like, Marlene says, we're going to give you to the fireflies. And she kind of just goes along on the ride, trying her best not to be too hurt and too scarred by making friends who either turn into mushroom monsters or leave her because love is fake. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, when when Marlene tosses, you know, Joel and Tess Ellie, She's just like, you know, take her to the fireflies and she follows she follows this because she also has that connection with Marlene because Marlene has been watching over her. Marlene right, gives right. her her mother's knife that Ellie still carries. So, like, there is that connection. So once again, when we meet Ellie, she's a cold, annoying kid. But inside, she's still she's already had a lot of life experiences in just a short amount of time. So, like, she's more so following you at the very beginning because Marlene told her to trust you guys. Right, right. Not really her choice, but, you know, hey, I'm placing faith in the people that I know. Which, like, I think it's also important to mention, what, Ellie is, like, 13, 14? Right. So, like, she is still very much a kid. Yeah, yeah. Especially in a world where it's literally life and death. Like, the kids right. who didn't follow instructions, they are infected food. <laughs> <laughs> they they are mushroom kids. They are now uh, toad toadstools from Mario, uh, just <laughs> wandering around biting people. So, yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And that's another thing that I want to stress throughout this episode. It can be so easy to forget how young Ellie is throughout the game. And because I played as her 
I, I kind of thought about her choices with the emotional vocabulary and the, the intellectual vocabulary of like a 30-year-old. And that's, frankly, she's brilliantly written, but she is still 19 at the end of Last of Us 2. So there, there is this sort of youth that we always have to keep in mind and think back on what were the decisions I was making as a fucking 13 year old. <laughs> like I would have, I would have been one of those toadstool kids bitten by a, <laughs> a runner real early. I would not have made it. So like I, how, how much can I really judge her decision-making quality? That's my point. <laughs> yeah. And so ultimately the last of us one wraps up with Ellie going to the fireflies. They want to make a, uh, vaccine that's supposed to cure everybody that's um, infected. Yeah, first and, try. Uh, no chance know, of failure. Got to take the whole brain out. Got to kill and, it. Uh, no other choice. <laughs> uh, yeah, despite the best efforts of medical science, we have to rip the brain out of a kid. And um, it's a it's an invasive know, first step. <laughs> step one: only immune person. Let's kill him. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! That is so true. I okay. But like. It, reminder, we have an episode where we talk all about the decision that Joel makes, and I think both of us came to, after discussing it and thinking about it, clearly it is probably morally the right choice to, like, give your life for that treatment, but it's not as cl- it's not as close or clear-cut of a decision as it might seem, because honestly, you can't do anything else, and what's the urgency? And also, Ellie's unconscious. Come on, give her a goddamn choice. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Agency. But, Give her agency. <laughs> but they're, they're gonna they're gonna take out you know, they're gonna take out her brain. Ultimately what ends up happening is Joel decides that he has grown so attached to this kid that he cannot bear to see her die. Understandably. And so he does what anybody would do in that situation. He storms the hospital, yeah. blasts all the soldiers. And then kills the doctors and you know, saves the kid. We got a ton of neurosurgeons in post-apocalyptic world. Just blow them up. Yeah. It's fine. Kill just them. get a, Just get another one. That's fine. Yeah. Rack up. Rack, rack up those bonus points. <laughs> and Brutal. and so he takes her to Jackson, and like she gets, they get to Jackson, and they have this conversation, and she is just like, you know, she's open and like, hey, Joel, I wanted this immunity to like be something yeah wanted it to mean something she wanted the fact that she survived to mean something because of all the people who died in her life right hey wait (sighs) back in boston back when i was bitten I wasn't alone. My best friend was there. And she got bit too. We didn't know what to do. So... She says... Let's just wait it out. You know, we can be all poetic and just lose our minds together. I'm still waiting for my turn. Ellie. Her name was Riley, and she was the first to die. And then it was Tess. And then Sam. None of that is on you. You don't understand. 
I struggled for a long time with surviving. And you... No matter what... You keep finding something to fight for. Now, I know that's not what you want to hear right now. Swear though, to me. Swear to me that everything that you've said about the Fireflies is true. I swear. Joel not only kind of takes that choice away from her, he lies to her. Right. And we see that in the second game, you know, that that has an everlasting effect on on their relationship. Right. Um, You know, Joel is murdered and you go on this quest and throughout the quest, you start to have flashbacks that kind of give us a little bit of um, a look into the world post or pre last of us two so last of us 1.5 <laughs> right right <laughs> where everybody just has fun and lives a regular seemingly normal life yeah pretty darn close to it like jackson is a is a sweet place we're shown in these in these uh these scenes i mean definitely not free from life-threatening situations but still much better than like ish and his crew fared and much better than the fucking cannibals <laughs> doing better than them uh ellie gets to grow up normally she gets to have friends you know she has her own place there's electricity there's no shortage of food and whatnot everybody has their responsibilities um we see that she knows that joel has lied to her about something and she's not quite sure of what happened but it does drive a wedge between them and it creates some distance and you know joel is able to bridge that gap from time to time, mainly because like this is the person that she's closest to because she has the best, the biggest connection. Like he is the one who brought her here. He's been taking care of her. Um, he still respects her space. You know, he's 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 just trying to be a dad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like in the beginning, of the game starts. Joel gives Ellie a guitar that he finds, and you know he promised that he would teach her how to play. And he does this because he can sense that she is not happy with him. And this is his way to, like, ease that tension and rebuild this relationship. And uh, the first song he teaches her uh, was part of uh, Future Days or from, uh, what was the band? Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam, yeah. Pearl Jam. People are going to yeah. hate Hate me on the internet for, <laughs> for asking that question. Yeah. But he teaches her the opening of uh, Future Days from Pearl Jam. And it's such like a beautiful and haunting song uh, because the just the few words encapsulates the entire theme of Ellie throughout the game. If I ever were to lose you, I'd surely lose myself. Trying sometimes you'll succeed to make this pain of me. All my stolen missing parts I've no need for anymore. Cause I believe, and I believe 
So beautiful. So, and yeah, haunting's a great word for it. Hey, you know, so, um, you know, Ellie lives a seemingly normal life. She gets to celebrate her birthdays. She gets to have friends. Um, in one of the flashbacks, we see, uh, Joel and Ellie take a trip to Wyoming and, um, he has this like surprise for her. Yeah. Yeah. Like a birthday surprise, right? This is the, the birthday gift. One of the best scenes in the game by like by a margin. This this whole sequence was so precious. Also because we lose Joel earlier in the game so that all of these little moments of living alongside him and experiencing these things alongside them and their banter and their energy becomes so much more magical because he's gone. And we know that when this flashback ends, we go back to this world where he's dead. It's so incredible, so poignant, so powerful. And again, this this flashback in particular contains... Probably, I think a lot of people's favorite scene, which is the uh, in the capsule, right? The rocket launch scene. Yeah. So yeah, he takes her to this museum that's got these dinosaur exhibits and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. like a space space exhibit. Yeah. yeah, like a stroll through the stars or a walk through the stars, something like that. Yeah, and it's it's like wonderful. Like like this was an amazing birthday present. Like. <laughs> I can't like this. I, I was like, man, ten out of ten. This this <laughs> shit is amazing. Like Joel, damn dude, how did you do this? My parents and he, friends suck at giving gifts compared to Joel. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he takes her to this this space exhibit. Um, you know where she gets to put on in uh, a helmet of an astronaut, and uh, you know sit on this uh like a space rover thing and then go into the space capsule. And then he gives her a recording of the, um, I'm, I'm bad with dates. 1960s. Oh, one? I have no idea the date. Okay, <laughs> Wrong well, person I'm to gonna... ask. Pre 2000. <laughs> it was pre 2000. Yes. He gives of the, of the moon lot, the moon landing. He gives her a tape recording of the moon landing. Like the countdown, like when, right? The, the yeah. like blasting off in 10, nine, that whole thing. Yeah. And and Ellie loves space, and he knows that about her. And she dreamed of becoming an astronaut if you know things weren't like they were. So this is a very very powerful, amazing experience. And so then they decide to explore a little bit more, um, and they go to a part of the museum that Joel hasn't necessarily cleared. And you start to see these these um, this graffiti on the wall. And it's funny because I've actually just got past this part of my second playthrough. But you see, you see graffiti on the wall that um, is written by um, an ex Firefly, and he just recounts all of the horrible things that he had to do, because like they point, you know, they paint the fireflies as like we are on this mission to save humanity, and we just want to make a vaccine and get everything back on track. But the things he was writing on the wall, he was like, you know, I tortured a man, and or I tortured a woman until she choked on her own blood. Uh, we firebombed people. We shot people who were hungry. We did these things to survive because at the end of the day, there was this promise that we were going to do something great and it was worth it. But we disbanded with nothing 
And that man shot himself in the head because he could no longer look at himself because of the things that he did. And it wraps up so beautifully because he paints the firefly insignia on the wall and writes liar under it. Right. And Joel and Ellie find it at the same time. And all of those feelings of surviving, that guilt, the the immunity not meaning every, anything, rush back. And instead of trying to comfort her and tell her the truth, Joel's reaction is to like, let's just get out of here. And, you know, yeah, I want to start a no, fire no, before it's dark. It's like, yeah, nothing, nothing happened. It's, you know, he just brushes it off and it just, it reminds her that he has also been lying to her. And so it kind of, that, that divide begins to open it, open up again. The music shifting everything, especially after such a beautiful moment was really poignant. And I still, I still remember just hating that second part of that memory because it was so uh, dark and so much not the moment in the capsule. The scene is so great because, you know, Joel set up this whole surprise. So good. Because he loved this kid. Like, this was like his daughter. And uh, then they are just instantly reminded of his lies and his seeming, seemingly the his his betrayal however deep you want to go into that but like his his kind of just like his lies and his his the fact that he took that choice away from her really okay we're gonna take a quick break we're just gonna quickly walk to seattle but stick around we'll be right back hey lore party listeners my name is connor i'm a host and producer here at the lore party podcast network and i want to tell you about a little game called doom You remember Doom, right? Maybe you played it growing up after your dad installed it on your computer using floppy disks. Oh, or maybe you've just gotten into Doom because of the recent games. Either way, no matter how you come to Doom, we're bringing Doom to you. That's right, here on the Lore Party Podcast Network, we're delivering high-quality, deep-dive episodes into the lore, the universe, and the themes of the Doom games. My co-host Bruce and I unpack all of the gritty details and hidden themes behind these beloved first-person shooter games. So, join us. Check out the Lore Party feed and search for Doom. Should be easy enough to find. Thanks, and we'll see you there. Now, back to your regularly scheduled podcast. So jumping forward, the next kind of memory that we get is Ellie is out for shooting practice with Tommy and they meet up with Joel in this sort of cabin. And this is also where, for me, it's really clear that there is some tension between Joel and Ellie. Like she's really not jumping to engage with, you know, banter and a lot of that playful energy is is no longer kind of actively present in their dialogues. But there's still clearly love there and basically Joel invites her to come find some new guitar strings as kind of an excuse to hang out with her, it seems like. And yeah. part of this, they, they end up cutting through a hotel, and this in- leads to this crazy encounter with a bloater, which was really kind of a reminder of how monstrous and deadly those creatures are. And also one of the most clutch s- savings from Joel. Man, when he cuts Oof. off that bloater's arm with the machete, it's like, I I oh. had chills. It was crazy. It was so... So much adrenaline in that moment. Really insane. Yeah, dude went John Rambo on that thing. <laughs> it was insane. And again, it was so clear that Joel's willing to throw his himself into this danger 
for a kid he knows is immune. <laughs> Joel's not immune. He's just very good at killing, but he's still throwing himself into this very, very deadly fight without hesitation because Ellie's there and he wants to save her and he wants to protect her. And in this interaction, Ellie brings up the fireflies again. She's still carrying this guilt and she's still thinking about it and it's still weighing on her. And very clearly, the answers that he's giving her and the way that he's dodging the question is not satisfying her curiosity and she knows that he's not being honest with her. Only they were immune, right? Well, let's... Let's go get Tommy and we can get these bodies back to Jackson. After you took me out of the Firefly Hospital... You said there were dozens of people like me. Yeah. yeah, that's what they told me. I've never met another immune person before. Have you? I could be hiding it. You do. Do you believe that? Is now really the time for this? We traveled across the entire country to bring me to the Fireflies. I had so many questions for them. Why did you pull me out of there while I was still unconscious? Because I let them run their tests. And when I saw that they were useless, I got us out of there. How do you know they were useless? Maybe if you, you just would have given them more time, they could have figured something out. There was no cure. There's nothing that could help these people or anybody else. I know you wish things were different. I wish things were different. But they ain't. And we need to get these kids back to their families. Is there something else you'd like to rehash? No. Good. Come on. I mean, this is the bad side effect of move going across the country together and spending all this time together. You get to know one another. So when he's frankly bullshitting her, she knows it. And I think this is where we really start getting a sense in uh, Ashley Johnson's acting that she's really coming to a point of not being able to tolerate it any longer. Yeah. And, and like, especially lying in this scene was was bad because... She's also having she's having that survivor's guilt that, you know, I didn't something happened to fireflies. I wasn't able to stay there. And now more people died because they found the bodies of those, that teen couple that left Jackson to help 
But, you know, it, it, it brings up the fact that, like, this man is willing to go to the ends of the earth with this lie instead of just tell me the truth. Yeah, he's doubling down again and again. <laughs> and even though he saved her from the the bloater, it doesn't have the same sort of uh, re-solidifying effect as, like, learning to play the guitar or, you know, this, like, really cute scene where he's, like, you know, best birthday present ever. It's just a straight up cold lie that he's just trying and at that point it's just like this man is doing whatever he possibly can to get around this and it really isn't enough it's been years she deserves to know the truth especially if they're gonna be close and you know and we see that in the next flashback so yeah no in this next scene this is really the the moment that she learns the truth and she goes to the hospital she goes to the the old Firefly Hospital where we have that kind of pivotal climactic scene in Last of Us 1, and she finds notes about herself. She finds this conclusive, basically, she discovers evidence of Joel's lie that she's known all along, but this is really, it's set in stone now. She knows that, you know, he's been lying to her, and it's crushing. Because again, this is, consider again, Ellie's journey as, as a young woman, she has dealt with people stripping from her agency or or friends dying people leaving her abandoning her she never has agency in those situations and she's just been reacting every step of the way and so then for joel the closest person to her who supposedly cares for her the most of anybody else in the world he's not giving her the choice he's not giving her that agency tell me what happened here If you lie to me one more time, I'm gone. You will never see me again. But if you tell me the truth, I'll go back to Jackson. No matter what it is. making a vaccine would have killed you so I stopped them They have this confrontation, they have this final talk, which again was heartbreaking, so electric that that scene just has such, some of the most incredible acting. 
like we talk about this not having agency, not having, you know, your your own choice. Like her choice in, in the matter was to help people. And if, you know, taking her brain out and making this cure saved people, saved people that were like Riley, like Sam, like Henry. So they didn't have to experience the shit that she has to live through. Right, right. Like it was worth it because like being immune in this world is great, but you see so many people fall victim to the infection yeah. and it you can't do anything about it. You just are kind of there for the show. Yeah. And so I imagine for her, it's. You know, all that guilt, all that survivor's guilt that she has is probably just rushed up to the surface because and he's effectively telling her, like, anyone that's died since we were at the hospital. Right. We could have probably could have probably been avoided had I not done what I did yeah. and taken away your choice. This is also in my humble assessment. This is also the beginning of we, we see this side of Ellie where it's all or nothing. She She isn't. At this point, she isn't going, okay, well, I'm going to hold this against you for a little bit, but we'll get back to being friends. She says, I am never speaking to you again. And we learn that she basically does. Uh, it, it was it kind of implied in the game, and, and definitely it was uh, said in interviews afterwards. But the next time that they speak, anything more than like a sentence or two, is literally the night of the party, the night before the game starts, and that's years later. So, I mean, yep. they probably had passing interactions, you know, I need ammo or, you know, I'm going to go out on patrol and probably single-syllable responses from her. But Give me some beef jerky. Sure. <laughs> beef jerky, sure. <laughs> but at the end of one of the last cutscenes where she says, I can't forgive you, but I'd like to try, you know, that that is a very mature stance, right? Yeah. She is not yet at that maturity, and she is not yet at that point of growth as an individual. She says, no, never again. You made a choice. You took that agency from me, and I'm going to hold this against you forever. It's also, it's the beginning of the same pattern that I, I think we see when Joel dies. There are these moments where Dina is talking to Ellie going, you know, maybe they were just after Joel because of something he did. Maybe you don't know what they, maybe we, there is some justification for what they did. And Ellie stops her every time because it would get in the way of this ultimate this declaration. I am going to kill them. And anything yep. that would get in the way of that, it, it's it's dangerous to Ellie's psyche because it, it undermines her perception of her own choices in the matter. Okay, that's where we'll end it today. Be sure to check out the rest of this discussion in part two, where Leo and I discuss great loss, vengeance, and finding agency. You won't want to miss this one.